So I walked into a city that had just gone through one of the biggest cyber attacks from the local government where the city was actually brought almost down, where they were not able to work at all. Um, the ransomware um, attack and this, all the systems were encrypted and, and so forth. So we had an external uh, managed uh, security company in, we had FBI in, DHS was in uh, doing investigations on that big ransomware attack. I have had the opportunity to completely rebuild the city from the infrastructure to authentication to email to just just about every discipline in, in IT uh, we've had to tackle in, in a short time to get the city back up. Now that was Ty Hayes and Ty is the CTO for the city of Atlanta. Now what she was just describing was the situation that she walked into when she accepted that role. Now one of the things that you're going to learn today is that a great leader is able to apply bedrock principles of leadership to whatever the situation or scenario is. And in this case, Ty drew from her experiences and wisdom that she gained through her time in the Navy, her 20 years of IT experience, like when she was the deputy CIO for the Atlanta public school system, as well as when she was the information security officer at Lockheed Martin Aeronautics. And she used all of this to lead the city through some unprecedented times. Now, before I steal too much of her story, let's jump into the program. Now, remember to stick around after the interview as I have some information that I think you're gonna wanna hear. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Deverter. Now, imagine this scenario. It's December of 2018 and there's a storm brewing. It's a perfect storm. Atlanta's about to host the 2019 Super Bowl. Cyber attacks are an all-time high and we're right around the corner from COVID-19. Uh, welcome to the program, Ty. You sure know how uh, and when to take a great new job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that was quite a, a situation you walked into there. I, um, I mean, you knew about the Super Bowl, of course, but wow, what, is, what, a, what a situation to inherit. Yes, yes, definitely. So Ty, thank you so much for being on the program. It's the first time that we've had someone in technology leadership who's in the public sector on the program. Now, your user base is a little different than a normal commercial CTO might have to deal with. Tell me a little of what it's like with the audience that you have. I mean, 506,000 people in the city proper, not to mention your internal and external user base. Tell us a little bit about what that dynamic is like. So it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I see that I have, a, you know, I have my internal customers, um, which are all the agencies and employees for the city of Atlanta. But then you start to think about all of the constituents, all the residents, all the businesses, colleges that are in the Atlanta area. And then, of course, supporting the largest airport, which is the Atlanta um, International Airport, is very interesting. I mean, it is, you, you have to think about all the different dynamics of the users that you're touching. Absolutely. So I recently read a tweet of yours that said, the key to being a leader in technology is being agile, being flexible enough to bend, but not to break. So, you know, I've mentioned a little bit about your history, but how has your history, uh, whether it's in the Navy or in the commercial sector or wherever, have prepared you to be somebody who can bend in IT, but not necessarily break? Sure. So one of the philosophies that I have um, is that, you know, technology is really to be a wraparound service um, to the business that they're supporting. And so it's been interesting to support aviation, um, CDC, education, local government. Um, and so you can't really get fixed 
in a way that, you know, this is the way I do it, right? You really have to take a step back and understand the business, understand the sense of urgency, understand what you've inherited your staff. And so each one of these engagements has been different for me, very, very different. I've had to shift gears uh, very radically. And so um, coming into the city was no different. It was a little bit hotter, right? It was uh, fast um, in terms of the things that we had to support, but you're trying to innovate and rebuild at the same time. So it was definitely a unique challenge for this, this organization. I would think so. So when you came in, let's talk a little about the technology that you inherited. I mean, where did you did you jump into this into an environment that was a smart city and had all, all the latest and greatest in technology, or you know, what 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 was the situation when you came in? So actually, no. So I walked into a city that had just gone through one of the um, biggest cyber attacks in a local government, where the city was actually brought almost down, where they were not able to work at all. Um, the ransomware um, attack and this, all the systems were encrypted and, and so forth. So um, I did come in after um, they were able to get the system, the city back online. But I, I, you know, walking in, I'm like, who's running this right now? Because you had a, you had an external uh, managed uh, security company and you had FBI and DHS was in uh, doing investigations on that big ransomware attack. Um, and so it was, I have had the opportunity to completely rebuild the city um, the, from the infrastructure to authentication, to email, to just, just about every discipline in, in IT uh, we've had to tackle in, in a short time to get the city back up. Yeah, incredible. So a, a lot of companies or organizations, you know, when they go through this type of an experience, sometimes they will they will pull back from technology. Some will say, let's modernize and move forward. Sounds like at least you walked into an environment, albeit disrupted, that there was an appetite for change. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That was, um, you know, I was encouraged to see that the city wanted to um, rebuild. Um, the customers were really eager for the new leadership to come in and they were willing. I mean, they've come, they were ready to come to the table. We got a lot of support from outside agencies, like I said, and then with us preparing for the Super Bowl at the same time, you also had the NFL and, and, and the, the other agencies that were all there to lend uh, help to make sure that the city was solid uh, for that big major event that was coming. That's incredible. And so, um, you know, how, what was your process around, you know, you have to come in and make a great plan and uh, quickly assess what's going on, make a great plan. And then uh, of course a great plan is only part of the battle. I don't, I don't even think it's half of the battle getting consensus that that's the right plan and then following through with it is the rest of it. So tell me about the process of getting consensus for your vision and ultimately then for your plan in, in, in this climate and in a city, the size of Atlanta. Sure. So um, coming in, the, the, my first goal was to make sure that the city was hardened and the infrastructure was solid for the Super Bowl, um, and making sure that we could keep everyone safe that was coming into the city. Um, and so uh, to that point, there were a lot of investments made to the city of Atlanta in preparation to, for the Super Bowl uh, from a surveillance perspective, to, from a fiber, um, all of the things to get ready for um, all the traffic and all of the sale coverage and things like that. So it was one, understanding that commitment and some of that, that hardening that had already happened, happened in preparation for the Super Bowl, but then figuring out how I could leverage that to then stabilize the city's infrastructure and start to grow from there. So we, that was really the strategy, the approach that I took coming in. 
And what a dynamic environment to have to work in as well, not only keeping the citizens and all the things that they need from uh, a client base, from the internal users as a client base, but in that scenario, I mean, you always have to deal with the commercial aspect and making sure that they have what they need, but holy cow, the, the intensity around the Super Bowl must have been incredible. Yes. And, and it was a great partnership. I mean, we brought in all of the major um, companies, um, all of the universities, all of the other local agencies. We had a uh, we met um, monthly, just a joint task force in preparation. And so it was the best business continuity planning session that I have ever had in my life. Um, and we've definitely maintained a lot of those relationships so that as other events happen, we can just spin up a process that has worked for the city of Atlanta. Great. So you, you not only solved for the problem, but you built a framework that was repeatable. Uh, Absolutely. What a, Absolutely. What, a, what a great lesson for that. Now, let's start to poke a little about some of those modernization efforts, you know, that, that, that you've gone after. What are some of the, the things that you're doing? Is it a, is it a cloud first? Is it uh, do we build out a private cloud or what, what, what's the process there and the thoughts? So um, the strategy was, well, a few things were happening. You know, we were trying to eliminate a lot of the shadow IT, especially with some of the events that had happened with the city. Um, but we also were looking just strategically, what was the best, what's the first move to make? Um, and we really thought about, okay, let's, we need to diversify our infrastructure. Everything was on-prem. Let's look at a cloud strategy. Starting out, that was I was like, I don't want to be in the data center business. I had five data centers that I inherited. I don't want to be in the data center business. Um, that's not our core competency. And so what do we do to kind of diversify this infrastructure? So we started to target a particular data center because of the, it just made sense. But I'll tell you, COVID, um, we're in a nice head. And so we've had to fast track that implementation. Um, and so I have two major... Um, data center uh, transformations that are happening at the same time. Um, and then we've also implemented a cloud first now. So anything new coming into the city, definitely cloud. And then uh, we're just keeping everything um, maintained um, on-prem um, while we work on those other major data centers. And then also storage. Storage is a big need for the city, uh, whether it's for video uh, footage in support of um, our you know public safety department, um, for the airport with all of the cameras that they have. Um, and in our watershed, they have a lot of compliance requirements for storage. So storage was also an area that I saw the city was spending a lot of money. And so we had to figure out a way to, to be able to deal with volumes of data and then also archival data. And so that's really helped also with that cloud story and that, that it makes sense to start moving in that direction. Right. Okay. So as I mentioned earlier on, I was really fascinated to have the conversation to understand what is different in the life of a CTO in the public sector as opposed to the private. And it's really not different. It's just amplified by 100x, it sounds like. I mean, your storage problems are amplified. Your customer base is amplified. Your threat landscape is amplified. Everything is amplified. Yes, but it's, it's also, but I think from a, from a purchasing perspective, it's still telling the story and building the strategy so that it relates to the outcome for the business. So sometimes the, the infrastructure and the capital assets aren't seen. You, you know, the city council didn't understand sometimes some of those things. But I do think that the cyber um, event has helped um, at least understand the importance of keeping those things um, safe and shored up and up to date. And so it's been some challenges from a, from a procurement perspective, but not, not, not impossible. Okay. So that, you know, I've, I've also wondered, you're talking about the strategy that you put in place. And I've always wondered if that strategy has impacted 
uh, at all by the election cycle? Do you only have a fixed window where you really have a viewpoint into how much time you have to get things done? So, no, I, I believe that um, my I think if it's the right strategy and again, if it's built around business strategies and understanding um, driving business outcomes for the different agencies and City Hall, I think those plans will outlive me. I don't think that um, it's, it's going to be a lot of times lifts and shifts. Are, they don't happen in a four year term. Um, you know, it, it takes a little while to turn that boat a lot of times. And so um, I do believe that we're doing the right work. I think that we've empowered the staff. And so whether I'm sitting where I am today or someone else, the staff is, is great. They're ready to go. They're moving. And um, I just don't see there being a major shift in the direction that the city's going. Maybe the pace, maybe, you know, how it's being done or how it's being executed. But I do think it's the right work. So I don't think that will change. When it's the right work, it just needs to get done. It needs to get done. Yeah. All right. So let's dive a little deeper into some of that transformation. So, so. Have you started to realize some of the benefits of a cloud-first um, uh, methodology for the, for those new workloads? Absolutely. Um, so we are, um, with everything from uh, traffic management um, to being able to process and, and be predictive maintenance around our, our streets or our water pipes, um, we're really being able to do that with um, cloud and um, smart and innovation and IoT devices. Um, our cameras um, that are able to provide surveillance, um, all of that is now running in the cloud. I mean, we've even through the rights that recently happened in the city of Atlanta, the importance of body camera footage and being able to have that real time and it upload to the cloud for there to be quick investigation. So um, definitely see it. Um, it's, it's exciting to be a part of it. And, and for, for my customers that inside of the city, they just wanted to work, right? They wanted yeah. to work. They want it to be seamless. And I think that's my job. They should not feel IT sometimes. It should just work for them. So That's right. And so a lot of people will make that shift to the cloud. They'll make it based on cost. They'll make it based on, like what you said, you're not in the data center business, so let's get out of the data center business. But but as we both know, that that, that move out to the cloud puts those workloads in an environment that has way more power than any server you could put in any data center because, you know, these providers have, have created so many services and capabilities. And, um, and it, and one of those areas that I feel like gets exposed so well is the power of managing and dealing with the data that gets created. You've already mentioned, you've got piles and piles and piles of data. Uh, and, and from a chat we had earlier, data and data science is close to your, your heart uh, and your family. So, and that move to the cloud then brings additional value. So have uh, have you started to realize some of the additional value of moving out to the cloud in that now you can use some of the the maybe AI and ML that's out there? What are what are some of those things that you've been able to take back to your customers and going, see, we moved there for this, but now I'm giving you this. Well, I think one of the, the biggest ones is uh, our 311 infrastructure is where um, they take all of the calls from the residents for anything they need in the city. Um, we've actually really been able to transform their business model, the way that they work, and now being able to not only be able to provide services via the phone or the internet, the way users are, but now using chatbots and, and being able to be predictive around what um, is needed or, or to crawl the, re- the, the website and provide information back real time. Uh, we've been able to just show uh, by how that data is structured, how we can be a lot smarter with that. Um, the same with even responding to the COVID um, 
pandemic, um, just being able to have data, um, real-time data for residents in terms of where to go to get services, um, how to be tested. I mean, so we're bringing in data from a lot of different sources and being able to deliver it real-time fast for for our residents. And so I think those are the, the things that we're seeing um, be applicable really to real time today in today's events. Right. So you, you've also said uh, when we were chatting earlier that um, that IT a lot of times is just viewed as the people who, who give you your laptop uh, and make email work and uh, don't let you log in because you forgot your password. Yeah. But, um, but if you are a strong leader and IT is what's in your tool chest and you're applying that to whatever the business challenges, you'll always have a seat at the table. Okay. Now, an example you gave around that was, was about COVID. And, and, um, and the, you, you raised your hand in, in one meeting and said, well, here's a way we could help communicate is we could set up a website that would show some dashboard data on, on Burndown. Maybe talk a little bit about that and what that sort of spawned into. Sure. Um, so initially, um, that website was to just be a, a, a way to communicate with uh, const- constituents around what the mayor is doing, what we, what we're able to do. But it's turned into um, how to provide services, um, how to feed the homeless, how to give shelter to the elder, how to be tested. Um, And now we're working with another division. Uh, We were brought in to do just telework planning or return to work planning, but now we're doing online permitting, Um, you know, um, holding boards to get your licenses for alcohol licenses, continuing business in the city. Uh, We're assisting with courts, um, virtual courts. We're assisting with the law department being able to have depositions online. Um, you know, so every agency um, is now reaching out and saying, we need, we need support. We need support. Um, and so everything from figuring out how to test our um, staff that's coming back and having a way to track that to making sure our facilities are not overcrowded when we return to work. So we're building capabilities in all of those areas uh, for the city. So it's been, been, been great. That's incredible. What COVID has done is a horrible thing, but it has had some, for, if people in our business, it has had some, uh, some, some great, uh, it's been an amazing catalyst. Yes. Yes. Uh, my, my boss says this a lot. Never take advantage of a crisis, right? I mean, that, you know, make sure you take advantage of that crisis. And so we, we've not let it go to waste. Uh, we've definitely tried to capitalize on it. I mean, there's so much in IT that has been a science project in the back that, and a lot of IT sort of is uh, a solution looking for a problem. And, you know, we could, I interviewed, interestingly enough, the director for the, um, uh, the director for the youth orchestras of San Antonio and some of the stuff that they're doing with technology to continue to do what they do with, with, oh my gosh, it's so many kids and young adults all around the greater San Antonio area. Uh, that they would have thought, well, that's an interesting idea, but we'd never do it. Um, like taking in and doing Zoom calls that are part of how they do rehearsals because they can't put everybody into one place. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have never done that in the past because traditionally for hundreds, literally hundreds, thousands of years, you would only rehearse in the same room with everybody. Correct. Uh, Correct. And, and so now they're considering this stuff. And now as they even start to think about how they come back, keeping technology as a part of what they do. Yes, I think it's gonna it's gonna have a place. I think even once things start to return, there's it's gonna still be so much social distancing. It's gonna be timing and coordination, um, and so you won't be able to just drop it. And I think that is the more we use technology and innovation to drive the business. Folks are just imagining things that they would have, ne- like you said, never thought of. I mean, we we had virtual summer camps for our oh, really? Um, yep. 
And, um, you know, that was just amazing. We still needed to make sure kids were getting services. We were still helping with reading and math during the summer. And now we have a great partnership with Atlanta Public Schools to continue to provide access and digital access for kids that don't have um, access to the Internet or, or Wi-Fi to do digital um, learning. And so um, we are still, we, we're leveraging a partnership. That's incredible. So uh, what's, what's on, the, on the, the, the near horizon? What are some of the projects that you're excited about that is going to make a big difference in the city? So we are, we are actually doing a, a big um, AD uh, consolidation and migration um, in the city. We're just on the tail end of it. It's, it's not a technical project anymore. It's actually a logistics project now because of COVID, because you normally needed all of those devices on the network to migrate them. And so we're actually having yeah. to come up with a process to have folks drive in and, 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 and do their migrations from the car. Um, so that's been a very interesting project, um, but I'm really, really excited about our cloud transformation projects. I think it's gonna be a way that the city can save a lot of money. We can be lean and streamlined um, in doing so. And, um, you know, and getting the airport back um, to being, you know, to its capacity. So we're really working very closely with them um, around their projects as well. So those are like some of our major short-term um, projects that we have now. Um, I think that our courts is going to like continuing virtual courts um, mm-hmm. when we return. Um, I think that um, our, our Department of Transportation, um, we're really looking at scooters and different ways of, to, to move and, and, and uh, navigate the city. And then we also have a major um, kiosk um, project that we are just was just approved last night by the board um, city council that will be deploying digital kiosks throughout throughout the city and they'll serve many purposes in terms of communication. They provide the Wi-Fi capability, they provide cameras, so security. So we're really excited about that project as well. That's really incredible. Uh, so you have um, had a really interesting career to got you to where you are and um, that you've obviously very much uh, earned along the way. But it seems from, you know, as I look at, at your uh, your social media profile and things that you're engaged in, that uh, you use that as a platform to be able to also give back. So the tweet that I mentioned earlier, actually you tweeted out from the Black Data Processing Association Conference. Yeah. So what are what's your thought around, around how you give back and some of the areas that you're involved? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, um, I'm definitely passionate about women um, in technology, any forms of technology or engineering. Um, And so I serve on the board for Women in Technology Atlanta. I also um, serve on the board for um, a company called Pink Frog. Um, It's a foundation to support um, um, people that are going through cancer treatment. Um, I also recently signed on to be an ambassador for the American Cancer Society for their researchers, her project, where we're raising money to support um, female researchers. We're like this, this, um, this um, COVID, we, we want women scientists on this just to help solve for some of this. So um, definitely do a lot there. But then I'm so passionate about kids. Um, okay. I grew up in inner city Atlanta. Um, I benefited from a lot of that programming that provided exposure um, and mentorship. And so it's important to me that um, I do the same. I think it's important that you give back and you make yourself available. So I've been optioned off recently um, to provide <laughs> mentorship programs. Like I said, I won't be auctioned off to, to, to vendors and all that kind of stuff, but um, I definitely will do it to be able to provide coaching uh, to, to young girls, young women that are interested in this field and just tell my story and finding that balance, being a mom, being a wife, 
um, leading a city. It's all a lot. And so just being able to provide that balance. That's incredible, Ty. And yet you still find time to, to serve on the, the Smart Cities Initiative. You've, yeah. you're, that's really an interesting one. Talk a little bit about that, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. So, um, you know, when we talk about smart cities, um, you know, I really, really wanted to change the paradigm in the city of Atlanta and say that it's a connected city. How are we connected to each other um, inside of the city? How are we connected to our residents and our partners and our businesses? And so we we actually have a board that we formed um, that's made up of local um companies, universities all around the um, Atlanta area. And we meet monthly to talk about diversity. You know, what do we need to do for um, innovation in the city? Um, what do we need to do for LED lights? How can we spread that cost? You know, what do we, how do we use all of this rich data that's coming into the city and figure out ways to make profits for the city and, and generate income? And so um, we really are working a lot and data is driving that for us. So. Data is king. Uh, we just did, I had a conversation yesterday where um, some of our internal data scientists are working on projects that are creating predictive models uh, for their customer that is outperforming uh, the government models uh, oh, at this wow. point in in showing the predictive analysis of from a COVID uh, and, and how companies are going back to work and back yeah. to the office. Yeah, one that we really just started to look at was even using um, robots, IoT devices to actually do inspections of our water pipes um, to see if there's any breakage or if it looks bad so that we can start uh, getting in front of potential main break um, for water. Um, That one's really, really cool for me, just using that data and Mm -hmm using all of the historical data that we have to know when things are going to, you know, start to deteriorate and be in front of that. So um, AI is, is in local government and it's important. Yeah. That's incredible. So uh, it's a great time. I hate, I hate it. It's a great time to be in IT. And yeah. you are absolutely using that platform in Atlanta to make a big difference. But it but it drives towards one more question. You've already mentioned that sometimes funding can be a little interesting to get. That's one of the the dynamics of being in, in the public sector. Um so when you came in, was there a firm grasp from a, from a financial governance perspective on what are we spending our money in IT on? Or was that an effort that you needed to get your arms around as well when you, when you first came in? It was definitely uh, um, something we had to get our arms around um, and because technology was being purchased all over the city and uh, a lot of it we didn't have visibility to. One of the first things that we did was an application rationalization program where we looked at all the applications across all the agencies and we saw that we had over 450,000, I mean, 450 applications, some doing the same exact things. Um, And it's because there were, you know, people were allowed to purchase from different sources and they were trying to solve a problem. And so even through that program, we've been able to consolidate those. We use our buying power as an organization. Uh, the city of Atlanta, instead of us buying it three and four different times, we buy it one time. We leverage the licensing model to get it cheaper and reduce the, what the cost that we're pay, paying. And then I'm using that um, those savings to show how we, we can recoup and 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 um, continue to pour back into innovation or keeping things up to date and refreshes and so forth. So. Um, that's one of the things we did. The other that we worked very closely with our procurement and law department. So now that all technology contracts, um, all technology purchases have to come through our office and it doesn't matter where it is in the city. And it's just so that we can make sure we're uh, putting the right terms in our agreements, making sure we don't already have it um, mm-hmm. and make sure 
is secure. Um, and so that has been um, my side project, um, if you will. Uh, You've got a few of those. Yeah, with, with operations. I mean, I think I can only be as efficient as our operational process will allow. And so yeah. sometimes it's really picking up some of those areas that may not necessarily be mine per se, but I'm impacted greatly by them. And so I do have some partnerships within the city that we're trying to make some changes there. Well, and uh, I tell you what, having done that due diligence when you first came in, I would imagine is paying itself out uh, incredibly now as you bring ideas to the table. They know uh, one, that they can trust the number you're going to give them that it's going to take to do it. And uh, and they know it's going to be spent well. And I, I tell them all the time, I, you know what you need for your business. Let me help you get it and let me help you get it in the right way. And so right. that's the partnership I think that we have. That's incredible. Uh, Ty, you've done an amazing job in such a short amount of time. Obviously, you've had the right catalyst to get it done. But um, I tell you, it sure seems like it was the right person at the right time to to drive this effort. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I've enjoyed our conversation. As well. Thanks so much for being on today. Uh, would love to check back with you in a few months and just see how it's going, what some of the the, the changes you've enacted, the impact that those are having. And, uh, and we'll be farther down the COVID road. We're going to know a whole lot more. And uh, what's really fascinating right now for me is to watch what that blended environment looks like. What What of these IT changes will stick and help uh, be that catalyst to drive our organizations and now our cities uh, farther into the 21st century. Absolutely, please do. And I'll be more than happy to talk with you about it. Excited about the work we're doing. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. You can only be as efficient as your operational processes allow. Words of wisdom from Ty Hayes. I really look forward to checking back with her in the months to come to see what she and her team have accomplished. See, I keep thinking back to what it must feel like to be able to serve the very agencies that once served you. Incredible. And I'll tell you, being able to be a part of creating content like this for you, that's one of my favorite parts of the job. And there's so much more available over at solve.rackspace.com. One piece that was just released is a white paper that I authored on a body of research that Rackspace commissioned of over 1,500 IT decision makers across 10 different countries. And it's dealing with all the challenges of cloud cost management. Now, if you go over to solve.rackspace.com, you'll find links to where you can download it. Now, I'd love to hear what you think about it. You can always reach me via email. And my email address is jeff.diverter at rackspace.com. And that's J-E-F-F dot D-E-V-E-R-T-E-R at rackspace.com. Now, here's what we have in store for you in our next episode. The business use case, right? Framing the problem, I think, is 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 worth uh, mentioning. is is one of the, is the most important piece because it is is it it is also worth mentioning that you know machine learning in its sense isn't isn't for every problem. A lot of people have this misguided notion that once you build a model, it lasts forever. But every model that you build has a lifetime, and that lifetime is dependent upon the data and your historic data. That that's in our next episode of Cloud Talk.